At Home and Death, an Archaeological Exposition of Psalm 49 verse 11. Death is a subject that intrigues and frightens. Death is discussed, debated, covered up and ignored. I remember visiting the Egyptian wing of the Brooklyn Museum several years ago. In one of the far back rooms a mummy was on display. While I was looking at other objects in the room, a group of senior citizens entered. The elderly guide never talked about, nor did the people in the group look at, the mummy. They were deathly afraid of that object, no pun intended. After they left, a group of elementary school children came in on a class outing. What was the first, and only, thing they wanted to look at? You guessed it, the mummy. The mummy intrigued them. The psalmist, one of the sons of Korah, writing at the end of the 8th century BC, describes the thoughts of wealthy fools who put their trust in material possession for their redemption. He wrote, Their inner thought is that their house will continue forever, and their dwelling place to all generations, they call their land after their own name, 49-11. This article will examine the background to this statement by the psalmist. The common interpretation will be discussed, but then archaeological material will be brought to bear to shed light on this passage. It is my contention that the architectural patterns of the burial caves of the Iron Age, Judean monarchy, reflect the architectural patterns of the typical Iron Age four-room house. Iron Age burial caves from Jerusalem, mainly St. Etienne and Ketef Hinnom will be examined to demonstrate this proposition. The Common Interpretation In the psalmist's statement, their inner thought is that their houses will continue forever. What is the house referring to? Most commentators assume that house is the dynasty of the wealthy person. One commentator puts it this way, if they do face the fact that they must die, they console themselves with the thought that the dynasties they have built will last forever, Phillips 1986-74. This is done on the basis of the double meaning for the word house given in the Davidic Covenant, 2 Samuel 7 verse 16. Golder 1982-189. And your house, dynasty, and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Based on the word use, the dynastic interpretation is possible. However, the context suggests a more literal meaning. In the Hebrew parallelism of the poetic structure, house would be synonymous to dwelling places in the second half of the verse. Also, King Solomon, writing during the Iron Age, calls burial caves eternal homes. For man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Akel, 12 5. Another Proposal During the summer of 1979, I worked as an area supervisor on the Kitef Hinnom excavation, just below the St. Andrew's Scottish Presbyterian Church in Jerusalem. One of my responsibilities was the supervision of the excavation of Cave 25. It contained the first intact repository of the Iron Age ever found in the Archaeology of Jerusalem, Archie, 1986. The most important discoveries in this repository were two silver amulets with the oldest biblical texts discovered to date, Barkey 1992, Kugan 1995-45. After the excavation I had time to reflect on the burial practices of the Judean monarchy and its implication for understanding the biblical text. Several years later, with the kind permission of the excavator, Dr. Gabriel Barkey, I published a summary of the excavation, Franz 1986. 
In that article, I suggested one of the implications of the excavations of the Iron Age burial caves at Kitef Hinnom was that it reflects the theology of the afterlife. I observed that the pattern of the burial caves was similar to the four-room house of the Iron Age. The psalmist indicated that the desire of materialistic people was there, inner thought is that their houses will continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generation, Psalms 49 verse 11. However, they knew that their houses, made of stone and mud bricks, would eventually collapse. Their desire would be achieved by hewning a burial cave out of solid rock pattern after the floor plan of their earthly house, Franz 1986-16. I would like to expand on these thoughts in this article. Parallels between the Iron Age burials and the four-room house The first obvious parallel is the pattern of the burial caves and the Iron Age four-room house. The typical Iron Age burial cave consists of an entrance with a central depression in front of it and three benches forming a U, horseshoe, shape around the central depression. In describing the Israelite four-room house, Y. Shiloh states, the principal feature of the four-room house and its subtypes is a backroom the width of the building, with three long rooms stemming forward from it. The time span of this plan is from the end of the 11th century BC down to the destruction of Judah, 1970-180, see also Shiloh, 1987. Some have discerned this pattern in Egypt during the time of the Israelite sojourn in Goshen, would 1997-55-56. The benches in the burial cave would correspond to the two long rooms on the side and the broad room in the back of the house. The central depression would correspond to the open-air courtyard in the middle of the house. Another parallel is the sunken panel. This can be clearly seen in the cave complex one of the street ATN burial caves. The surveyors of this cave, Gabriel Barkey and Amos Cloner, described their findings. A careful examination of the walls of the entrance chamber reveals that they are decorated with shallow sunken panels, rectangular in shape, that were hewn into the rock faces of the walls. These rectangular panels are probably stone copies of wooden panels that typically covered the walls of Judean palaces during the Israelite period. Until this discovery, archaeologists had not seen any Israelite or Judean palaces, or other building, of this period with a preserved superstructure of walls. At best, they had found only wall stubs. The walls of the St. Etienne burial cave can therefore teach us a great deal about how palace walls were decorated in Iron Age II. Such decoration was probably used on the walls of Solomon's temple. In 1 Kings 6 verse 9. We read that after Solomon finished building the temple, he covered the walls with beams and planks of cedar. The Hebrew word translated as beam is Jebim, for planks the word is steret. Jebim probably refers to the sunken panels and steret to the raised strips between the panels. Their description goes on to say that the wall decoration continued to be used to the end of the divided monarchy, 586 BC. Jeremiah prophesies against Jehoiakim, king of Judah, ha! He who builds his house with unfairness and his upper chambers with injustice, who makes his fellow man work without pay and does not give him his wages, who thinks, I will build me a vast palace with spacious upper chambers, provided with windows, paneled in cedar, painted with vermilion. Do you think you are more a king because you compete in cedars? Jeremiah 22 verses 13-15, Barkey and Cloner 1986, colon 27. Haggai, a post-exilic prophet, also rebukes the people of Jerusalem for misdirecting their priorities. They were dwelling in paneled houses and the house of the Lord was still not rebuilt, 1 4. 
The cornice is a third architectural feature that is common to some of the burial caves in Jerusalem. They decorated the top of the walls where the ceiling meets the walls. Hewn out of rock, this probably reflects the support beams in the house. A fourth parallel is the parapets that surround the edge of each bench in some of the Iron Age tombs. Each burial bench has a low parapet about two inches high around its outer edge, carved from rock, presumably to prevent the body and burial gifts from rolling off the bench, Barkey and Cloner 1986-29. The parapet served a practical function in the burial caves just as they did on a house. Deuteronomy 22 verse 8 states, When you build a new house, then you shall make a parapet for your roof, that you may not bring blood guiltiness on your house if anyone falls from it. The parapets on the bench serve as a reminder of their function in the house. A fifth architectural feature common to both the house and the burial cave is the threshold as illustrated by Cave Complex 1 at St. Etienne. Barky and Cloner describe this threshold, in this rock-hewn step there are carved two three-quarter circle sockets, these sockets originally held the hinges of a double door that controlled access to the burial cave. Steps like this one, with similar sockets, are known from various Iron Age II, 8th to 7th century BC, structures. They are usually found at palace throne room entrance, for example, at Arsalantash, at Zincurli, ancient Samal, and Tel Halaf in northern Syria, at Nimrud, biblical Kala, Genesis 10 verses 11 and 12, and Nineveh in Assyria, and at Megiddo and Gezer in Israel, 1986-27. The door served a functional use in the burial cave, just as doors do in a house. The final architectural feature is the headrest. As Barkey has observed, the Iron Age burial benches with their headrests in the Jerusalemite and Judean burial caves were rock-cut copies of beds commonly used in ancient Israelite houses, 1988-50. The living would sleep on beds with pillows. Similarly, when the dead sleep in death, they were laid out on the stone bench with their head in the headrest. However, I'm sure the dead were not overly concerned with the hardness of the pillow. An intriguing possibility. During the excavation of Cave 25 at Ketef Hinnom, the director, Gobi Barkey said, Gordon, I want you to find me an inscription in this cave. I laughed at his request because he had taught me in his Archaeology of Jerusalem class that inscriptions, in situ, are very rare in the Archaeology of Iron Age Jerusalem. I half-jokingly said I would find him one on the last day of the dig. Ironically, toward the end of the dig, we discovered a private seal with a family name on it in the repository. Gobi, with Plato from his son, made an impression of the seal. On it was the family name Palta, Palamantethi. Apparently, the Palta family was buried in this cave, Barki 1986, 2934. The following year, at the City of David excavation, a lintel from the Heel House was discovered in Area G. This lintel had the name Palta on it as well, Shiloh 1984-18. Did the family have a house in the City of David and a burial cave on the escarpment overlooking the Hinnom Valley? We will never know for sure, but it is an intriguing possibility. Perhaps this is also what the psalmist had in mind when he said, And their beauty shall be consumed in the grave, far from their dwelling, 49.14. The family burials were outside and away from the city. The Conclusion of the Matter The wealthy materialistic person at the end of the 8th century BC knew that their earthly dwelling place would one day collapse because it was made of stone, mud brick, wooden beams and a dried mud roof with grass on top. 
This person desired to live eternally in his earthly body, Psalms 49 verse 9, yet reality told him otherwise. Desiring a more permanent dwelling, knowing that one day death would be the end results, a burial cave was hewn out of the rocky escarpment outside the city and was patterned after his earthly house. He wanted to feel at home in death. By contrast, the psalmist puts materialism in its proper perspective when he concludes the psalm by saying, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, Sheol, for he shall receive me. Selah. Do not be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased, for when he dies he shall carry nothing away, his glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lives he blesses himself, for men will praise you when you do well for yourself, he shall go to the generation of his fathers, they shall never see light. Man who is in honor, yet does not understand, is like the beasts that perish, Psalm 49 verses 15-20.